I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World, my guest today comes from very humble beginnings. A proud Hispanic American of Mexican descent, Anna Polina Luna was raised by a single mother in Southern California. Surrounded by drugs, violence, and poverty, she overcame adversity, joining the United States Air Force as a teenager. Anna served six years in the military, five on active duty, earning the Air Force Achievement Medal and meeting her husband, Andy, an Air Force Combat Controller. Anna has been engaged in conservative advocacy and all kinds of philanthropic work. In 2020, she ran for Congress and won the Republican primary in Florida's 13th congressional district before losing a close race in the general election to Charlie Crist, who was a former governor as well as a congressman. But don't be surprised to see Anna return to the political arena soon. Anna's story is truly amazing, a real example of the American dream. And now she's launching her new weekly podcast, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina, on the Gingrich 360 Network. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Gingrich360.com slash Anna, or wherever you get your podcast. So I want to welcome our guest, Anna Paulina Luna, to the Gingrich 360 Network family. Thank you so much for having me on, Newt. <laughs> well, we're delighted. Now, I just want to say it's exciting to watch your growth and the development and why don't we start by talking about your new podcast? Tell us what your experience has been so far. 
It's been pretty incredible, you know, especially someone with my story. I felt like the mainstream media wasn't telling realistic stories about people like myself who grew up the way that I did that were Hispanic Americans. In fact, there's almost an absence of that voice for that market. And so I'm hoping to bring education, but also stories that people can connect with and realize that you should never embrace a victim mentality, that we are born in one of the greatest countries on the earth, and that it's our responsibility to not just contribute to society to help make it better, but also to, to help educate and wake up the masses against these crazy ideas of identity politics and far left ideology. Well, I'm curious. I mean, you came out of a background where you could have been optimistic, you could have been pessimistic, you could have been ambitious, you could have been dependent. Where did your positive attitude come from? I think I realized early on that I could learn from the mistakes that my parents made. And my mom especially, she really struggled to take care of us early on. And she just set such a standard for never giving up and kind of making do with what you have. But what I realized is that I could essentially do anything I wanted to as long as I put hard work into it. So actually starting at 15 or 16 years old, I got a job and I've been working full time ever since. And I think realizing one that, you know, I wanted to hold on to my money, not give it away in taxes. And that also too, I would be able to help my family. That's really, I think what set the tone for me early on. And it's something that I continue to do to this day is hard work and effort. Yeah, that's a key. But you grew up in Los Angeles. How did that shape you? I mean, you want to talk about not really knowing that abnormal conditions are not normal, right? Right. I did not know that, you know, going to six high schools and that a gang shooting on campus was something out of the ordinary. And it's weird because it took me joining the military, which is, I think, another abnormal circumstance, especially for a young woman who, you know, is as tiny as I am, especially, you know, people don't typically do that. And what I tell people is, you know, at the time, although it was not a fun experience, it, you know, it frankly sucked at the time. I think sometimes God works in special ways. And because I've had the life story that I have and the upbringing that I did have, you know, I don't blame my parents. I simply share those stories to let other people know that there are certain things that work and other things that don't. And you should never depend on big government, especially to take care of yourself. You can always do better by yourself. So when you were in Los Angeles and you saw this kind of high school violence, et cetera, and then you go to the military, what was the deciding point? When did you say, you know, I'm just going to go join the Air Force? Well, so I'd gone to six high schools and I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know how to even apply. And I know that sounds weird, but I think because there was just so much turmoil with my education that, you know, I didn't know what the ACT or the SAT was. And I remember being at a house party and there was two young guys there and they happened to be Marines and they're about my age. And one of them was talking about how the military is paying for school. And so I was absolutely eavesdropping on this conversation and I interrupted and I said, you know, can you give me some more information? And then a couple of days later, I Googled an army recruiter and I went to talk with them and I didn't tell my family, I just enlisted. So I didn't tell them until right before I was supposed to leave. And ultimately it was that moment that I realized that I could go to school, that I wouldn't take out any debt and that I would be able to essentially help my family, which is what basically convinced me to join the military. So when you went into the military, was that a pretty big shock? Yeah, my mom freaked out. I remember I told her 
And I had to hold the phone away from my ear. She was almost like crying. She's like, you're crazy. We're in the middle of the global war on terror. You're going to die. Are you nuts? Like, we don't know anyone in the military. What's wrong with you? And then after she actually calmed down a little bit, you know, she ended up loving that I had joined. But yeah, it was a complete shock. And I think for her, especially with my little brother and sister, it was mainly, you know, us just not knowing anyone immediately that had gone in. We didn't know what to expect. But I joined the Air Force and it definitely turned out for the better. So the first time you went home in a uniform, what was their reaction? Oh, my gosh. I picked up my little sister at school. And my little sister hadn't seen me since basic training. And so she ran over, gave me the biggest hug. And I think at the time she must have been about seven or eight years old. But my mom started crying and she's like, I can't believe you did it. And actually, ironically enough, they would come to see me because my first duty assignment was stationed in Missouri. So that was their first time really being in other parts of the United States that I would consider more rural. And because of that, I think it actually ended up opening up the eyes of my family as to really, you know, what the rest of the United States is like. And that's a weird thing to talk about. But once you're kind of in that little bubble and you're able to leave that bubble of Los Angeles, it's definitely mind blowing. I can imagine. (laughs) Now, when you're in the military, you had a pretty significant moment because you met your husband. How did you all meet? Well, I was not intending on joining the military and fighting a husband, but boy, oh boy, was I wrong. And I actually had a friend that I had made friends with when I was doing my training at Keesler Air Force Base, which is in Mississippi. And I stayed in touch with him. And at the time, he had been dating one of my friends. And so I was actually on Facebook, of all things. And I saw him standing with this really cute guy. (laughs) And so I added him. And Andy and I became friends. And we were actually friends for about a year before we started dating. And then once we started dating, we actually got married after a month. So I tell everyone that it's really important to have that friendship foundation. And that's actually what kept us through his multiple deployments, one of which he was shot. But when I met him, it was not expected. And then I definitely didn't anticipate on getting married at you know 20 years old, but I did. And we've been happily married ever since. So it's been about 11 years. That's great. Thank you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What kind of a shock for you was it having him wounded? So I call this my 4 a.m. phone call because I think this is one of those things that no one ever wants to get. And I remember being at home and, you know, the day that he got shot, I remember I spoke with him earlier that day and the location that he was at, Andy on a previous phone call had said, you know, this team is really aggressive they're extremely kinetic and for that with him it meant that they were going out and they were getting into gunfights and you never want to think of your significant other doing that but with andy's job andy's an air force combat controller so he's the air force's division of you know you could call it the special air service is what it would be relatable if we were talking about the british or you know green berets in the army that's what andy does and i knew that he wasn't exactly comfortable either because he said that the guys didn't want to really talk and make friends. And to me, that translated in deployment language as they were keeping their guard up because one of their previous teammates that Andy was replacing had also been shot on that team. And we would have our Skype time set up to when we would be able to talk with each other because obviously there being a time difference, we wanted to make sure that we wouldn't miss those openings for internet, especially being that he was gone for six months. And so Andy missed the first opening in our Skype time. And I just remember I had a really bad feeling. And I don't know if anyone listening to this believes in God or, you know, call it, you know, the tie that you have to your significant other. But I knew in my gut that something had happened. And that night it was my friend Danielle's birthday and she kept pressuring me. She's like, come on out, let's go. You know, it's my birthday. And I told her, I was like, I really can't, I'm sorry. I typically wouldn't do this. She was trying to tell me that I was just 
in my head about things and that I was just nervous because he was deployed. I was like, obviously, but I knew something had happened. And then I eventually fell asleep probably that morning at around three o'clock in the morning, waiting up for him still to call. And I just kept telling myself, no news is good news. He'll call me when he gets back. Maybe something happened. Maybe the internet dropped. So I finally fall asleep. And then at 4 a.m., I wake up to a phone call that obviously had a million different numbers on it. So I knew it was a foreign number and I answered and Andy's on the phone. He goes, Oh, Hey babe, what's up? And so I responded very sarcastically and I was slightly irritated because, you know, I was worried the whole night about him. I said, you know, I don't know, sleeping. Why didn't you call me? And then he goes, nothing's missing. I got shot. And you know, you want to talk about your heart just dropping. I like basically sat up from a dead sleep and then, you know, you have all these questions and then it just went completely silent. And so what Andy had done is he had actually been given morphine and he snuck a phone in the meanwhile when the nurse had left the room so that he could notify me before his command showed up to my door in uniform. And that to me, I appreciate that he did that because if they would have done that, I would have thought he would have died. That's an interesting story, actually, at every level. Now, I understand you have a new book coming out in July called Bringing Them Home. The Untold Cost of Putting Mission First. Tell us about the book. So I wrote this book, actually. It took me about two and a half years to kind of figure out how I wanted to do it. But the reason I did it is because I feel like, especially right now, there's so many books that talk about this almost glamour, heroic side of war. And what I realized is that for a lot of these young women, especially, and other service members, whether you have you know a husband or a wife that's deployed and experienced combat, Nothing really talks about what the families go through. And I feel like there's such a stigma around post-traumatic stress disorder. My husband and I both, after he had been shot, I mean, it wasn't easy, right? I think every marriage takes work. But especially after that type of injury, there's a lot that you go through. And I wanted to somewhat tell our story, but also the stories of our friends that we lost both in war, whether it was mentally or physically. And that's what this is really focusing on. You know, it's not a a book that I think a lot of people would expect, but it is based on true stories, stories of all of us. And so I changed names and obviously timelines and, you know, everything that I did with the book, I wanted to do so that people know what they're getting into, but also too, they realize that if you are going to marry a service member, that it's so much more than just, you know, what you see on Hollywood movies like Pearl Harbor, that you will have to be there for these people you know, sometimes it's going to be difficult, but you can work through it. And, you know, you have to be friends first and foremost. Now, while you're doing all these different things, you also found time to run for Congress. What led you to do that? I actually never anticipated on going the political route. After I had finished my second enlistment with the military, I separated so that I could go to medical school. And I had actually gotten into a program and obviously my family was very excited. And I realized during my gap year... So after Andy had been shot, it threw off my submission timeline for medical school because I actually withdrew from college to take care of him for about two semesters, which I don't regret, but obviously that was taking priority. And so I had this year to where I could take my MCAT and then I could apply to medical schools. And during that year, obviously having worked with Andy and I developed kind of this feeling that I had to help people, you know, especially struggling with PTSD, I actually started using my social media to work with different veteran nonprofits. And one of the veteran nonprofits that I came across, even though I was, you know, looking to help with PTSD, it was a counter trafficking organization that was dealing with child trafficking at the U.S.-Mexico border. 
And I did not know that that was even a problem. I think like most people, especially in my age range, you know, you trust the news to tell you what's really happening. And at the time, I didn't know that CNN was propaganda or that the mainstream media was trying to influence the masses politically. And so I started self-educating and using my social media to talk about this topic that I felt was something that we should all be talking about, right? Like trafficking is not a partisan issue. And what I ended up finding out after I was posting on social media is that a lot of people were uninformed, especially within the Hispanic demographic. And how I became political and what made me decide to run is that one, I ended up turning down my program to learn medicine basically and become a doctor. And instead I took a position as the National Hispanic Outreach Director for Turning Point USA. So they had essentially found my social media. They saw what I was doing on my free time just because it was the right thing to do, shedding light on this topic and talking about immigration. And this is, mind you, at the end of 2015, at the beginning of 2016. So the November election had not occurred yet. And ultimately, it was when I took that position that I really started working in media as a political commentator. And I realized that if the shows didn't like what I was saying, they weren't going to book me. But no matter what they were talking about, even people they didn't like and what Capitol Hill was doing and what the legislators were doing. So if I wanted to change the national discussion and really make change, I had to do it at Capitol Hill. And so two months into that job is when I decided that I would be running for Congress. That's really wild. When you applied and, and you began looking into the congressional race, what did you learn? Well, there's no how-to on how to run for office, and I wasn't recruited. I basically started Googling what I could, and I actually ended up finding an incredible team. And then you want to talk about grassroots campaigning and those phone calls. I mean, I fundraised through the nose, but what I learned is that, you know, when you get into the political arena especially being an outsider from Washington, D.C., you're going to have to work, if not more hard than most people, because you're going to have to prove yourself. I mean, I wasn't the selected racehorse in the race, right? So I was up against other candidates, one of which was well-funded from Washington, D.C. And I learned that my story, though, telling and connecting with voters, going directly to the people, even though you had this kind of network behind me that was almost working against me, that if I went directly to the voters and I showed them who I was and I let them know what I wanted to do in D.C., the change that I wanted to make, that that was how I was going to win this race. And that's exactly what I did. I out-knocked everyone. I out-phone called everyone. I out-raised everyone. And that was through hard work and determination. When you'd go up and knock on a door, what kind of reaction would you get? <laughs> well, at first, I think a lot of people were surprised. They'd be like, oh, you're that girl. From the commercial, you're running against Charlie Chris, right? And that was my opponent in the general election. I think a lot of people were really surprised that I was actually door knocking. And I think that's something that, you know, politicos these days, we have such machineries behind us and you have this aspect of social media, but that personal interaction, that changes and people talk. And so a lot of people were shocked that I would be showing up. And sometimes I would get yelled at because I would have the wrong voter data and I'd show up at someone's house who's a far leaning liberal, which was kind of funny. And I would just say, okay, thank you. You never want to get into altercations with people. So I would just quietly walk away. But you want to talk about grassroots campaigning. That's it. <laughs> when I was in campaigning, it just struck me that most people were really nice to you. They were kind of grateful that you'd be out there doing that. I didn't get many negatives. Did you get very many negatives? 
I did when we would get the wrong voter data. In the primary, I was talking to staunchly Republican voters, but in the general, I realized that it was really important to get those independent votes and those squishy Democrats is what I call them. So the blue dog Democrats. And so I would go talk to them and sometimes people would be polite, but at the time, especially with what the media was doing, saying that basically every Republican was xenophobic and racist, a lot of people I think were hyper-polarized. And so sometimes I would get those rude reactions, but I would calm the situation and I would just thank them for their time. And then you continue forward. You never take that personal because it's not you, it's them. Well, and you were up against Charlie Crist, who had been governor. He had been a Republican. (laughs) He'd been around forever. Was that an advantage or a disadvantage for him? I think it was an advantage for him being that he's from the St. Petersburg, Tampa area. But I will tell you the one thing that I was really surprised at is that he refused to debate me. So once I won the primary, I think that he realized that I was definitely more or less his match, but also to someone that could take him down in a debate. And so he refused to debate me. And actually, one of the really surprising things that I came across was that, you know, I went to the NAACP and I think a lot of Republicans tend to think that the NAACP is not friendly territory, so they won't go to do the debates there. And I showed up for a debate and Charlie ended up saying that he had a scheduling conflict and then he ended up being at a bar and he was caught there and then the NAACP wanted to give him an F. I got a rating of a B, which is pretty good. But then actually he called up to the national NAACP and they pressured the local chapter to not rate him at all. So it was interesting that I was that big of a threat. Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. That's sort of a small victory in itself. Yeah, it was. New, I took the heat to him. I don't think he liked it. (laughs) So... Was it an advantage to you to have a Hispanic background? Not in this area, but I think nationally it gave people hope that someone not from D.C. with my background could break into the congressional scene and actually have a successful race. That's great. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Now, what's your view of what's happening on the border? Well, I've been saying this for a couple of years now, and it's good because I think that there are other voices that are standing up now and realizing that over the last couple of years, the Democrat Party has really weaponized the mainstream media to brainwash the Hispanic demographic and thinking that, you know, Republicans were xenophobic and anti-immigrant for wanting border security. But what we realize now is that one, that was a lie, but also two, you know, you have to ask yourself what changed prior to 2016, because we know that Democrats had the same viewpoints that Republicans did. They wanted walls, you know, Obama, when he was president, they were known as the deporters in chief. So what changed in 2016? We had a candidate for president, which was President Trump. That was not DC. He was not controlled by the establishment, as they say. And they needed a way of, I think, getting people so emotionally charged so that they would go to the polls, not because they wanted to vote for Hillary Clinton, but because they need to vote against something. And that was President Trump. So they used Hispanic Americans. They used Hispanic Americans to think that Democrat policies were in their favor when in actuality they were simply using us to push this open border agenda so that they could get people to the polls. Do you see the border is a major issue in your next campaign? Absolutely. In fact, I'm making it my number one issue. And I'm doing that because immigration, especially with what we're seeing, as much as the mainstream media, as much as the Biden-Harris administration is trying to bury this, one, we have more children now coming to the border every single day. The number is 600 unaccompanied minors are at the border every single day. We have this overflowing amount of people in general that are exploiting the asylum process. They are coming here in boats, literally, across the Rio Grande. And what it's doing is it's creating an infrastructure problem. It's creating a spending problem. And then also, too, there's this national security aspect that people don't talk about. I mean, in addition to the human trafficking and the labor trafficking, we have no idea who's coming in here. I mean, did the war on terror just disappear? You had people that were on literally a terrorist watch list that were just apprehended trying to enter into the United States through our southern border. And so these issues are issues that we should be talking about. And what the Democrat Party is trying to do by expanding this welfare state to people that are illegal. I mean, you want to talk about the American dream. The American dream is not being on EBT food stamps and, you know, being a part of that system. That's not what people will be set up for success for if they come to this country and they're in those programs. Will you be talking about issues like this on your new podcast? Yes. In fact, I think actually my second episode is actually on this exact issue and it gives you all the information. And it's basically me being honest. I think that that's lacking in the media world today. <laughs> I want you to know that we're very excited at the Gingrich 360 network of podcasts because we think you're going to bring a new voice, new energy and new insights. And I think it's really remarkable that you're doing this. And I think that Luna Talks with Anna Polina is going to become a real hit. I think you bring a fresh voice that's really needed. And it's great that you're so committed and so willing as a citizen 
to invest yourself in trying to help save your country. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. And I can tell you that part of the reason why I chose to actually do the podcast is, again, I just didn't see anywhere this conservative focus, especially with the media on the Hispanic demographic. And it's important for people to realize that Hispanics are inherently conservative. We're raised very religious. I was raised Catholic. And so you have the largest voting minority in the country that are Hispanic Americans, specifically of Mexican descent. And in order to fight that disinformation of the mainstream media and of that political arm of the Democrat Party, you have to get people from our community to wake each other up. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. And I think that it will be successful because, frankly, no one else is doing it. So it's our obligation to kind of reach out there, go to places that I think even the Republican Party haven't been for a long time. Thank you very much for spending this time with us. And we wish you very well in all of your future endeavors. Thank you so much. And I hope to be back on soon. And now we're going to give you a special sneak peek of Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna. I think that my unexpected path into politics was really influenced by God. I think that a lot of times when we look back at previous life circumstances and we might not necessarily have an understanding as to why certain things are happening the way that they are. But what I found is in my journey that a lot of what I've relied on to give me strength and my voice to fight for what I believe is right and for fighting for the American dream in this country has really come from what I experienced as a child and as a young adult. And starting out, I mean, I have, and I give so much credit to my mom because she really did raise me as a young single mother. My mom had me at around 20 years old. Um, She had my, my father actually when she was fairly young. And my mom, realizing it now, you know, you see how much I think a young mother would go through, but ultimately my mom made the decision to choose life over abortion. And that's not... I think an easy decision for a lot of young women, especially from the circumstances in which she came from, which was essentially um, a really rough upbringing. I mean, my maternal grandmother actually died of AIDS due to heroin use. Drugs were prevalent, not just on my mom's side, but really on my father's side as well. And she was the only person that could take care of me. She had no family to rely on. It's not like we had a strong um extended network of people that could really care for her and care for me. And so we did it on our own. And I remember those struggles growing up. I mean, the earliest memory I have from toys is actually going to this place called the giving spot. And at the time I thought it was awesome. You know, you'd go into it and it was like all these toys everywhere and they were free. But what it was is it was actually a donation center. And I look back at that now and I see all of the success that I've experienced. And then sometimes I I bring it up with my mom But those are some of my early memories as to, you know, what I thought was normal and I didn't know any different. And, you know, with, with my story, I want people to remember that this is not a victim story. This is about coming across being dealt with cards that might not necessarily be in your favor, but being able to take control of your life and change the outcome if you're willing to put forward the hard work and the effort in order to create your own reality. You can listen to our podcast, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina, on Apple Podcast, Gingrich360.com slash Anna, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to my guest, Anna Paulina Luna. You can find a link to her new podcast, 
on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for this show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.